Hello, and welcome to Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, the podcast. Written by Eliezer Yudkowsky, read by Eniash Brodsky, based on the works of J.K. Rowling. Chapter 83, Taboo Trade-Offs, Aftermath 1. When Padma entered the Transfiguration classroom, she saw that half the class had beaten her there, a strange, deathly silence pervading the room. Harry Potter sat alone in one corner, staring off into some unknown distance, his eyes half-lidded, nearly closed. Rumor said that the Aurors had discovered that the defense professor had polyjuiced as Granger to fool Malfoy. Rumor said that Hermione had been bound by the unbreakable vow to be Draco Malfoy's slave. Rumor said that Hermione had gotten the Dementor's kiss. But if that were true, Harry Potter wouldn't be sitting there. He would be... Padma didn't know what General Potter would do. Her mind went blank, trying to think about it. Even when Professor McGonagall got there, the silence hadn't broken. The Transfiguration Professor walked up to the board without a pause, erased it with a sweep of her hand, and then began to write. Today, children began the calm professional voice of the Transfiguration Professor, just as though nothing out of the ordinary had happened that week. We shall learn how much effort it takes to sustain a Transfiguration, and why, at your age, you should not even try. The original form is not gone, only suppressed. And to maintain that suppression... Excuse me, said Padma Patil. She knew her voice was shaking, she knew that she was trembling visibly, but she had to ask. Excuse me, Professor. What happened with Miss Granger? The Transfiguration Professor paused at the board and turned to look at Padma. The Professor should have looked stern, having been interrupted without a hand being raised. But instead, her face was kindly. You don't already know, Miss Patil? I expected that rumor would have spread. There are too many rumors. I don't know what's true. Morag MacDougall raised her hand, then said without waiting to be called, I told you, Padma, what's true is that the Wizengamot found Granger guilty and ordered her to get the Dementor's kiss, and they brought in the Dementor and Harry Potter glued it to the ceiling and wouldn't let it down until... Oh, dear Merlin, said Professor McGonagall, her expression growing sharp, but then she visibly calmed herself. The affair was utterly ridiculous, and I shan't go into detail. Let it stand that Miss Granger is resting with Madame Pomfrey for now, and coming back to classes tomorrow. And if I catch anyone bothering her, I shall turn them into glass vases and drop them. The entire class gasped at this. It wasn't so much that the threat was fatal as that it broke the safety rules for transfiguration. Professor McGonagall turned back to her board. From a corner of the classroom, another voice rose up. What about Professor Quirrell? said Terry Boot. Has he been arrested? The Aurors are only detaining him, said the Transfiguration Professor without turning around. If they have not given back our defense professor by tomorrow, I shall ask the headmaster to go fetch him. Though I may as well tell you now that the Board of Governors has scheduled a vote on whether Professor Quirrell's battles shall be allowed to continue. Kevin Entwistle spoke. And General Malfoy? When's he getting back from St. Mungo's? The Transfiguration Professor paused in her drawing. She turned around again, more slowly this time. I am sorry, Mr. Entwistle. Her face looked a little more lined than when she had entered the room. Mr. Malfoy's health is in no danger, I am given to understand. Unfortunately, I have received an owl from Mr. Malfoy's father withdrawing him from Hogwarts. I am afraid he is not coming back. 
End chapter 83 Chapter 84 Taboo Trade-Offs Aftermath 2 When Hermione Granger woke, she found herself lying in a soft, comfortable bed of the Hogwarts infirmary, with a square of setting sunlight falling on her midriff, warm through the thin blanket. Memory said that there would be a screen sheet above her, either drawn around her bed or open, and that the rest of Madame Pomfrey's domain would lie beyond. The other beds, occupied or unoccupied, and bright windows set in the curvily carven stone of Hogwarts. When Hermione opened her eyes, the first thing she saw was the face of Professor McGonagall sitting on the left side of her bed. Professor Flitwick wasn't there, but that was understandable. He'd stayed by her side all morning in the detention cell, his silver raven standing extra guard against the Dementor and his stern little face always turned outward toward the Aurors. The head of Ravenclaw had surely spent way too much time on her and probably had to get back to teaching his classes instead of keeping watch on a convicted, attempted murderess. She felt horribly, horribly sick, and she didn't think it was because of any potions. Hermione would have started crying again, only her throat hurt, her eyes still burned, and her mind just felt tired. She couldn't have borne to weep again, couldn't find the strength for tears. Where are my parents? Hermione whispered to the head of House Gryffindor. Somehow it seemed like the worst thing in the world to face them, even worse than everything else. And yet she still wanted to see them. The gentle look on Professor McGonagall's face transfigured into something sadder. I'm sorry, Miss Granger. Though it was not always so, we have found in recent years that it is wiser not to tell the parents of Muggleborns about any danger their child has faced. I should advise you also to remain silent, if you wish to stay at Hogwarts without trouble from them. I'm not being expelled? For what I did? No. Miss Granger, surely you heard. I hope you heard, Mr. Potter, when he said that you were innocent. He was just saying that. To get me free, I mean. The older witch shook her head firmly. No, Miss Granger. Mr. Potter believes you were memory-charmed, that the whole duel never happened. The headmaster suspects even darker magics may have been involved, that your own hand might have cast the spell, but not your own will. Even Professor Snape finds the affair completely unbelievable, though he may not be able to say so publicly. He was wondering if muggle drugs might have been used on you. Hermione's eyes went on staring distantly at the Transfiguration Professor. She knew that she'd just been told something significant, but she couldn't find the energy to propagate any changes through her mind. Surely you don't believe it. Miss Granger, you cannot believe of yourself that you would turn to murder. But I... Her excellent memory helpfully replayed it for the thousandth time. Draco Malfoy telling her with a sneer that she'd never beat him when he wasn't tired, and then proceeding to prove just that. Dancing like a duelist between the warded trophies while she frantically scrambled, and dealing the ending blow with a hex that sent her crashing against the wall and drew blood from her cheek. And then... Then she'd... But you remember doing it, said the older witch, who was watching over her with kindly understanding. Miss Granger, there is no need for a twelve-year-old girl to bear such dreadful memories. Say the word, and I shall be happy to lock them away for you. It was like a glass of warm water thrown into her face. What? Professor McGonagall took out her wand, a gesture so practiced and quick that it seemed like pointing a finger. 
I can't offer to rid you of the memories entirely, Miss Granger. There may be important facts buried there, but there is a form of the memory charm which is reversible, and I shall be happy to cast that on you. Hermione stared at the wand, feeling the stirrings of hope for the first time in almost two days. Make it didn't happen. She'd wished that over and over again, for the hands of time to turn back and erase the horrible choice that could never, ever be undone. And if erasing the memory wasn't that, it was still a kind of release. She looked back at Professor McGonagall's kindly face. You really don't think I did it? I am quite certain you would never do such a thing of your own will. Beneath her blankets, Hermione's hands clutched at the sheets. Harry doesn't think I did it? Mr. Potter is of the opinion that your memories are entire fabrications. I can rather see his point. Then Hermione's clutching fingers let go of the sheet, and she slumped back into the bed from which she'd partially risen. No. She hadn't said anything. She'd woken up and remembered what had happened last night, and it had been like... like... She couldn't find words, even in her own thoughts, for what it had been like. But she'd known that Draco Malfoy was already dead, and she hadn't said anything, hadn't gone to Professor Flitwick and confessed. She'd just dressed herself and gone down to breakfast and tried to act normal, so that nobody would ever know. And she'd known it was wrong and wrong and horribly, horribly wrong. But she'd been so, so scared. Even if Harry Potter was right, even if the duel with Draco Malfoy was a lie, she'd made that choice all by herself. She didn't deserve to forget that, or be forgiven for it. And if she had done the right thing, gone straight to Professor Flitwick, maybe that would have... helped, somehow. Maybe everyone would have seen that she regretted it, and Harry wouldn't have had to give away all his money to save her. Hermione shut her eyes, squeezed them shut really tight. She couldn't bear to start crying again. I'm a horrible person. I'm awful. I'm not heroic at all. Professor McGonagall's voice was very sharp, like Hermione had just made some dreadful mistake on her transfiguration homework. Stop being foolish, Miss Granger. Horrible is whoever did this to you. And as for being heroic... Well, Miss Granger, you've already heard my opinion about young girls trying to involve themselves in such things before they're even fourteen, so I shall not lecture you on it again. I shall say only that you have just had an absolutely dreadful experience, which you survived as well as any witch in your year possibly could. Today you are allowed to cry as much as you like. Tomorrow you are going back to class. That was when Hermione knew that Professor McGonagall couldn't help her. She needed someone to scold her. She couldn't be absolved if she couldn't be blamed. And Professor McGonagall would never do that for her, would never ask so much of a little Ravenclaw girl. It was something Harry Potter wouldn't help her with either. Hermione turned over in the infirmary bed, huddling into herself, away from Professor McGonagall. Please, I want to talk to the headmaster. Hermione! When Hermione Granger opened her eyes a second time, she saw the careline face of Albus Dumbledore leaning over her bedside, looking almost as though he'd been crying, though that was impossible. And Hermione felt another stabbing pain of guilt for having bothered him so. 
Minerva said you wished to speak with me. I... Suddenly, Hermione didn't know at all what to say. Her throat locked up, and all she could do was stammer. I... I'm... Somehow, her tone must have communicated the other word, the one she couldn't even say anymore. Sorry? Why, for what should you be sorry? She had to force the words out of her throat. You were telling Harry that he shouldn't pay, so I shouldn't have done what Professor McGonagall said. I shouldn't have touched his wand. Had you not pledged yourself to the House of Potter, Harry would have attacked Azkaban single-handedly and quite possibly won. That boy may choose his words carefully, but I have never yet known him to lie. And in the boy who lived, there is power that the Dark Lord never knew. He would indeed have tried to break Azkaban, even at cost of his life. The old wizard's voice grew gentler and kinder. No, Hermione. You have nothing at all for which to blame yourself. I could have made him not do it. In Dumbledore's eyes, a small twinkle appeared before it was lost to weariness. Really, Miss Granger, perhaps you should be headmistress in my place, for I myself have no such power over stubborn children. Harry promised. Her voice stopped. The awful truth was very hard to speak. Harry Potter promised me. He would never help me if I told him not to. There was a pause. The distant noises of the infirmary that had accompanied Professor McGonagall had ceased, Hermione realized, when Dumbledore had awoken her. From where she lay in bed, she could see only the ceiling and the top of one wall's windows, but nothing in her range of vision moved, and if there were sounds, she could not hear them. Ah! I suppose it is possible that the boy would have kept his promise. I should... I should have... Gone to Azkaban of your own will? Miss Granger, that is more than I would ever ask anyone to take upon themselves. But... Hermione swallowed. She couldn't help but notice the loophole. Anyone who wanted to get through the portrait door of the Ravenclaw dorm quickly learned to pay attention to exact wordings. But it's not more than you'd take on yourself. Hermione, the old wizard began. Why? Said Hermione's voice. It seemed to be running on without her mind, now. Why couldn't I be braver? I was going to run in front of a Dementor for Harry before I mean in January. So why? Why? Why couldn't I? Why had the thought of being sent to Azkaban just completely unglued her? Why had she forgotten everything about being good? My dear girl, the blue eyes behind the half-moon glasses showed a complete understanding of her guilt. I would have done no better myself in my first year in Hogwarts. As you would be kind to others, be kinder to yourself as well. So I did do the wrong thing. Somehow she needed to say that, to be told that, even though she already knew. There was a pause. Listen, young Ravenclaw, hear me well, for I shall speak to you a truth. Most ill-doers do not think of themselves as evil. Indeed, most conceive themselves the heroes of the stories they tell. I once thought 
that the greatest evil in this world was done in the name of the greater good. I was wrong, terribly wrong. There is evil in this world which knows itself for evil and hates the good with all its strength. All fair things does it desire to destroy. Hermione shivered in her bed. Somehow it seemed very real when Dumbledore said it. The old wizard continued speaking. You are one of the fair things of this world, Hermione Granger. And so that evil hates you as well. If you had stayed firm through even this trial, it would have struck you harder and yet harder until you shattered. Do not think that heroes cannot be broken. We are only more difficult to break, Hermione. The old wizard's eyes had grown sterner than she had ever seen. When you have been exhausted for many hours, when pain and death is not a passing fear but a certainty, then it is harder to be a hero. If I must speak the truth, then today, yes, I would not waver in the face of Azkaban. But when I was a first year in Hogwarts, I would have fled from the Dementor that you confronted, for my father had died in Azkaban, and I feared them. Know this, the evil that struck at you could have broken anyone, even myself. Only Harry Potter has it within him to face that horror when he has come fully into his power. Hermione's neck couldn't stare at the old wizard any longer. She let her head fall back, back to the pillow, where she stared up at the ceiling, absorbing what she could. Why? Her voice trembled again. Why would anyone be that evil? I don't understand. I too have wondered said Dumbledore's voice, a deep sadness in it. For thrice ten years I wondered, and I still do not understand. You and I will never understand, Hermione Granger. But at least I know now what true evil would say for itself if we could speak to it and ask why it was evil. It would say, why not? A brief flare of indignation inside her. There's got to be a million reasons why not. Indeed, a million reasons and more. We will always know these reasons, you and I. If you insist on putting it that way, then yes, Hermione, this day's trial broke you. But what happens after you break, that too is part of being a hero, which you are, Hermione Granger, and will always be. She raised her head again, staring at him. The old wizard got up from beside the bed. His silver beard dipped down as Dumbledore bowed to her gravely and then left. She went on looking at where the old wizard had gone. It should have meant something to her, should have touched her, should have made her felt better inside that Dumbledore, who had seemed so reluctant before, had now acknowledged her as a hero. She felt nothing. Hermione let her head fall back to the bed as Madame Pomfrey came and made her drink something that seared her lips like the afterburn of spicy food, and smelled even hotter, but didn't taste like anything at all. It meant nothing to her.
She went on staring up at the distant stone tiles of the ceiling. Minerva was waiting, doing her best not to hover beside the double doors to the Hogwarts infirmary. She'd always thought of those doors as the ominous gates as a child in Hogwarts, and couldn't help but remember that now. Too much bad news had been spoken here. Albus stepped out. The old wizard did not pause on the way out of the infirmary, only kept walking toward Professor Flitwick's office, and Minerva followed him. Professor McGonagall cleared her throat. <clears throat> Is it done, Albus? The old wizard nodded in affirmation. If any hostile magic is cast on her, or any spirit touches her, I shall know and come. I spoke to Mr. Potter after Transfiguration class. He was of the opinion that Miss Granger should go to Bobaton rather than Hogwarts from now on. The old wizard shook his head. No. If Voldemort truly desires to strike at Miss Granger, he is tenacious beyond measure. His servants are returning to him. He could not have retrieved Bellatrix alone. Azkaban itself is not safe from his malice. And as for Bobatons, no, Minerva. I do not think Voldemort can essay such possessions often, or against stronger targets, or this year would have gone quite differently. And Harry Potter is here, whom Voldemort must fear whether he admits it or no. Now that I have warded her, Miss Granger will be safer within Hogwarts than without. Mr. Potter seemed to doubt that, Minerva said. She couldn't quite keep the edge from her voice. There was a part of her that agreed rather strongly. He seemed to feel that common sense said Miss Granger should continue her education anywhere but Hogwarts. The old wizard sighed. I fear the boy has spent too much time among the muggles. Always they reach for safety. Always they imagine that safety can be reached. If Miss Granger is not safe within the center of our fortress, she shall be no safer for leaving it. Not everyone seems to think so, said Professor McGonagall. It had been almost the first letter she'd seen when she'd taken a quick look at her desk an envelope of the finest sheepskin sealed in greenish-silver wax, pressed into the image of a snake that rose and hissed at her. I have received Lord Malfoy's owl withdrawing his son from Hogwarts. The old wizard nodded, but did not break his stride. Does Harry know? Yes. Her voice faltered for a moment, remembering Harry's expression. After class... Mr. Potter complimented Lord Malfoy's excellent good sense, and said that he would be writing Madame Longbottom advising her to do the same with her grandson, in case he was the next target. In the event that Mr. Longbottom's guardian was so negligent as to keep him in Hogwarts, Mr. Potter wanted him to have a time-turner, an invisibility cloak, a broomstick, and a pouch in which to carry them. Also a tow ring with an emergency port key to a safe location in case someone kidnaps Mr. Longbottom and takes him outside Hogwarts wards. I told Mr. Potter that I did not think the Ministry would consent to such use of our time-turners, and he said that we should not ask. I expect he will want Miss Granger to receive the same, if she stays. And for himself, Mr. Potter wants a three-person broomstick to carry in his pouch. She wasn't awed by the list of precautions. Impressed with the cleverness, but not awed. She was a transfiguration mistress, after all. But it still sent shivers of disquiet through her, that Harry Potter now thought Hogwarts as dangerous as spell research. 
The Department of Mysteries is not lightly defied. But for the rest... The old wizard seemed to slump in on himself slightly. We may as well give the boy what he wishes. And I will ward Neville also, and write Augusta to say that he should stay here over holiday. And finally, Mr. Potter says, This is a direct quote, Albus. Whatever kind of dark wizard attractant the headmaster is keeping here, he needs to get it out of this school now. She couldn't stop the edge in her own voice that time. I asked as much of Flamel, Albus said, the pain clear in his voice. But Master Flamel has said that even he can no longer keep safe the stone, that he believes Voldemort has means of finding it wherever it is hidden, and that he does not consent for it to be guarded anywhere but Hogwarts. Minerva, I am sorry, but it must be done. Must. Very well. But for myself, I think that Mr. Potter is right on every single count. The old wizard glanced at her, and his voice caught as he said, Minerva, you have known me long, and as well as any soul still living. Tell me, have I lost myself to darkness already? What? said Professor McGonagall in genuine surprise. Then, Oh, Albus, no! The old wizard's lips pressed together tightly before he spoke. For the greater good. I have sacrificed so many for the greater good. Today I almost condemned Hermione Granger to Azkaban for the greater good. And I find myself, today, I found myself beginning to resent the innocence that is no longer mine. The old wizard's voice halted. Evil done in the name of good. Evil done in the name of evil. Which is worse? You are being silly, Albus. The old wizard glanced at her again before turning his eyes back to their way. Tell me, Minerva, did you pause to weigh the consequences before you told Miss Granger how to bind herself to the Potter family? She took an involuntary breath as she understood what she had done. So you did not. No, Minerva, you must not apologize. It is well, for what you have seen of me this day, if your first loyalty is now to Harry Potter and not to me, then that is right and proper. She opened her lips to protest, but Albus went on before she could say a word. Indeed, indeed. That will be necessary, and more than necessary, if the Dark Lord that Harry must defeat to come into his power is not Voldemort, after all. Not this again. Albus, it was you-know-who, not you, who marked Harry as his equal. There is no possible way that the prophecy could be talking about you. The old wizard nodded, but his eyes still seemed distant, fixed only on the road ahead. End first half of chapter 84. Thank you to the following people. Minerva McGonagall, read by Autumn Rachel Dryden. Dumbledore, Drake Walker. Hermione Granger, anonymous. Terry Boot was voiced by Stefan Wettchen. Morak Madugal by Megan Clare. Padme and Paravati Patil by Amanda Grisello. This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links 
along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. If you would like to learn more about the art of rationality, please visit lesswrong.com, an online community of aspiring rationalists founded by Eliezer Yudkowsky. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. The music used is Catch That Goblin by Skaven. Thank you for listening, and come back next week for the continuation of Chapter 84, Taboo Trade-Offs, Aftermath 2.